With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to a Tennis.com podcast direct from the U.S. Open. Sponsored by Prince XO3 Racket Technology and by American Express. American Express presents Next Contenders. Get to know four of today's game changers in tennis and follow their moves during the 2010 U.S. Open. For more, visit nextcontenders.com. Hey guys, day 10 of the U.S. Open podcast. It's a duet edition. Pete Bodo and Ed McGrogan here. It's like that Sinatra CD duets. He did a bunch of them with a bunch of great stars back in the day. It was one I, one I listened to many in my younger years. Are you doing with Lady Gaga? No, that, that <laughs> never got off the chopping block or the cutting board there. So, um, but it's just us two today. The, the day's action is the night's action is still going on. Everybody's falling by the wayside here, folks. You know, Steve Tigner and Sarah Unke, they are passed out. You know, somewhere <laughs> somewhere down on Madison Avenue in New York. But Eddie and I are hanging in there. It's a, it's a long tournament. You know, you know, for the players, the fans, the media. There, there's no denying it takes its toll on everyone. So. Um, but we're here now, and uh, it's been a really windy day the whole day here. P, you were just actually the Wozniacki match is going on right now as we record this, and you were just out there. I think it's gotten even worse uh, right now than it was before. It was already windy really earlier. Like, how bad is it out there? Oh, it has. It's been, it, you know, it, it's awful. Out there. We're just out there, you know, they're, they're having to stop points because of, you know, napkins are blown across the court and, you know, their, their cups are flying around up there and we were up on the uh, 200 level, you know, and uh, that's pretty high above the court. It's actually a great place to watch tennis. You know, I, I know those seats are pretty far from the, you know, the top seats are pretty far from the center court, but, but, you know, there, there's a sweet spot in that stadium right about halfway up where you really get a beautiful view and it's, it's about as good a seat as you can get there. Better than our press seats down on courtside. Yeah, you gotta. I don't want to be over uh, uppity, but uh, you gotta look past the umpire's chair in those seats. But the the bird's eye view is a nice one too, especially. You probably you probably see how the how much the wind plays with the ball too, especially. It's gotta. The serves have got to be really, you know, off kilter at some point too with this. Yeah, well, you know, it's tough with the serve. You know, it's tough for people who toss the ball high on the serve, and it's tough for people who don't hit with a lot of spin. If you hit with a lot of spin, you got a distinct advantage against somebody who hits a flatter ball because with this wind, you can really fine tune your spin and apply more or less spin depending on which side of the court you're on. Yeah. Uh, so that that you know, you, you figure if this holds up, you know, it's going to be. You know, yet another thing that really gets stacked in, in in favor of Rafael Nadal, and apparently the wind is going to continue at least through tonight, maybe tomorrow morning. So we'll see how that plays out. Brad Gilbert mentioned that on the broadcast today. He said when he was when we were he was calling the Monfils Djokovic match, which we'll get to in a little bit, and the wind was whipping there. He said if this keeps up, without a doubt, it's Nadal. Even I think you take Nadal as a he's looked so well already, but in in those conditions. Uh, he can. He's shown the ability to flatten out his shots so well, and, and just just a, a player all around that can handle it. And it would be even more of an advantage to him if he happens to make the uh, you know make the final round here. So, 
Actually, I thought uh, in today's earlier match with the women, Vera Zvonareva against Kaya Kanepi, you know, I think Ver they, they handle the win pretty well. And of course, with Zvonareva, who's such an up and down emotional type player, you got to wonder, you know, wasn't she vulnerable because she'd be out there? You know, the wind's moving the ball around. The other girl's a big hitter, you know, hits hits with a fair amount of spin. So, you know, you think, well, she could be in trouble. But Vera really came through pretty well there today. She played a, you know, pretty solid, tight match. It was close in the second set, but she pulled it out. So, you know, once again, the Wimbledon finalist in singles and doubles is actually uh, looking pretty good, and she's gone deep in another slam. Yeah, it was just like you were talking about with Wozniak yesterday with Sabolko. That's a match that she should win and it, and it can be a tricky match because of that you're such a clear clear favorite over her uh she's up in the she's won the first set well at the moment uh, looks good to do that but Zvonareva was in a similar position with Kanepi, number seven seed and like you said just reached the Wimbledon finals in both singles and doubles and you know it was a tricky match she had she had the U.S. Open just meltdown last year here too and now she's overcome that to go into the semis I think two rounds further than she did last year well what she is, had what, to what, overcome what, that you yeah. know, this was this is her atonement you know tournament basically well you know the problem is Ivana Ravis always always found a cloud to walk around under kind of in the past you know she would be you know ever ready to take uh you know to feel like the world had turned against her and stuff but I think she's gotten over that a little bit I think you know there's no um you know she's she's cruising along. She's being very very rational, very uh, very, you know, very consistent in her play and very balanced in her. She doesn't get too high or too low. She you know had a you know she was broken early in that second set, but she bounced back from that. Didn't let it affect her. Broke right back and ended up closing it out in two. American Express presents Next Contenders. Your chance to get up close and personal with four of today's game changers in tennis. John Isner. Sam Query, Melanie Udan, and Caroline Wozniacki. Visit nextcontenders.com to follow the excitement during the 2010 U.S. Open and discover the person behind the player. It's tennis trivia time. Here's a chance to test your tennis knowledge with a tennis.com podcast trivia question brought to you by Prince XO3 Racket Technology. Are you ready? The question is... Maria Sharapova won her second Grand Slam title in 2006 by defeating Justine Hennon for her first U.S. Open title. In that final match, Sharapova became the first player in history to win a major championship using the Prince Revolutionary XO3 technology. What was the racket she used to capture the title? If you think you know the answer to our trivia question, visit the official Prince Tennis Facebook page at facebook.com slash official.prince.tennis. Once again, that's facebook.com slash official.prince.tennis. Become a fan today and be sure to leave your answer on the Prince wall. Speaking of emotions, uh, on, the, on the men's side today was, was Djokovic and Monfils. And Monfils is a guy who rides on emotion mostly for the worse, I think. he uh, Today in that match, he loses in straight sets. I'll get into why in a little bit, but uh, he had a, uh, a few ill-advised, has brought his bag of tricks again with the trick shots. He even tried a, a leaping, a leaping forehand where he was facing the ball when he just jumped up, hit it, tried to hit it between his legs at two-one in the first set. Not, Eddie, not, come on, you haven't seen a reverse tweener before. Not at that, not at that stage of the match. It was, uh, it was a little, you know. You know, you know, little, little too much. You just I summed think. up the problem with Monfils in, in in general. Monfils's problem is he'd rather hit that between the leg shot than win Wimbledon. So, you know, <laughs> and that's always going to be. 
the great impediment to his career. I mean, a guy is just basically, you know, he's out there, you know, it sometimes seems like he's out there looking to see what kind of a spectacular shot he can hit as if that, as if he were being scored, you know, and like in figure skating, like in figure skating. Exactly. Oh, give him a look at that. A reverse tweener, knee flying in the air. Gee, that's good for nine points. So, and, and that's tough. Yeah. He, the, the bigger problem tactically with the match, and this has kind of been a problem for Monfils for a long time. Um, but especially on a hardcore where he has an opponent joke, which you can take advantage of it is, He's just such a passive player sometimes in defense. He kind of just hovers around the baseline and never seems to really come in and really take it to he, – he can take it to the players, but it's really only sporadically. And then as soon as he gets – as soon as he makes some inroads and you think he maybe has a, a smart game plan going, he kind of reverts to this defensive, you know, passive style that Djokovic – Eight up for this match. Djokovic had some errors, but you know he had more winners because he had so many chances to go for it against against Monfils. who just gave him the chances. Djokovic likes to play on the baseline or inside the baseline, and he's going to take advantage of any short ball. He's also going to take the ball on a rise and just keep pushing Monfils back. You know, you watch Monfils starts starts a point somewhere near the baseline, especially when he serves, because in that case he has no choice. Mm-hmm. And then little by little he gets pushed back and back and back. Now that sounds like it's a bad. Sounds like it's bad news for Monfils, but given this guy's mentality, it's good news for Monfils because the further back he gets pushed, the more spectacular a get he can make. If you know, if, if Djokovic hits a big cross court forehand, you know, then he can run all the way over and you know throw up the lob and fall into the flower, shake hands with somebody in the stands, run back on a court, and that's and, and then everyone's going to stand up and cheer. I mean, you know, what you're I saying like, you were saying earlier that it's not just him who who wants to look good and who comes out looking good style-wise, it's his opponents who do because you called him, actually you were talking about this before, possibly the best setup man in tennis. Yeah, he's, he is the setup man in tennis. You want to look good, you want to, you know, a guy who used to be like that was, he reminds me of Emilio Sanchez, you know, uh, Arancha's older brother. He was a lot like that too. The guy just lived to make the spectacular shot, to show off his, his athleticism. You know, the nice thing about it, the, you know, the upside of that in a, in a funny way is that Monfils can turn, a, you know, he can take a routine loss, like a 2 one and one loss, or even loss like he had to Djokovic today. And, you know, you feel like you watched the Wimbledon final. <laughs> so all this, all this dramatic, you know, uh, Lunges and these jumps and these great gets and everything else. So there's an upside to that, and I, th- and I think people love it. I mean, look, the bottom line is people react to that. They really seem to enjoy. They re- really seem to enjoy the uh, the match. I mean, almost anybody else. Can you imagine? You know, Eugenie versus Soderling, a two one and one score or a three two and one score. People would be, you know, are, are sitting there yawning, you know, or they're checking their watches, you know, making dinner reservations. But with Monfils, it keeps you watching because he's always capable of doing a spectacular thing. He's a real showman. And if you come to the Open, you should go see him on the, like Pete said, he's fun to watch. Go see him on the Grandstand. When he's in Ash, he's going to be there for one match only because he ain't going to get thrown probably. That's strong, strong stuff. I mean, I just... I think you're right, though. I think so, too. Hopefully. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. We'll be back tomorrow for Pete Bodo and Ed McGrogan, Tennis.com Podcast. You've been listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, sponsored by American Express. American Express presents Next Contenders. Get to know four of today's game changers in tennis and follow their moves during the 2010 U.S. Open. For more, visit nextcontenders.com. And also by Prince XO3 Racket Technology. For more news and information, head over to tennis.com. Thanks for listening.